Hello and welcome to I'm Not Doing This Without Alcohol. My name's Denise Ferguson from Fine Surveyors and today I'm here with Kate Hoyle. Hi Kate, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. So what's your business called and what do you do? So uh, my business is called Kate Hoyle Hypnotherapy, so there's a bit of a clue in the title. And uh, surprise, surprise, I'm a hypnotherapist. Um, So I I treat all sorts of things, but I do specialise in helping teenagers struggling with anxiety and depression. That seems like a very interesting niche. What got you into that? My daughter. (laughs) So when I first trained, I kind of avoided it. I think it was because it was too raw. And then I found that they were coming to me. And as these things often happen, you know, I thought, oh, do you know what? I'm so passionate about this. And not only that, I'm really passionate about supporting the parents because I was that parent without any support. So my daughter was um, diagnosed with anxiety and depression at the age of 12. And that was after several years. That was when we got the diagnosis. And we just went through years of hell, basically, and tried every form of therapy. She was under CAMS for years. I'd take her to anyone and any, everything I could think of. And nothing really helped or worked until I heard about RTT and the founder is Marissa Peer. And I thought, I like what this woman's saying. She's talking about sorting things out quickly and getting to the real heart of the problem and and fixing things. And so I looked into that some more, found a therapist to work with my daughter, and it was the only thing that helped. It wasn't immediate. To start with, I thought, oh, you know, that's something else that hasn't worked. Um, But it began to have this almost snowball effect, and it was just so transformative that I just dropped everything complete 360, changed my career, uh, trained to be a therapist. And now I just absolutely love what I do. What were you doing beforehand? Oh, I've done mostly in the city marketing, um, but all within sort of legal and finance. So very, very different, very different. Yeah. So do you think that you had that that kind of um, woo spiritual side of your brain beforehand or was it logical and you had to kind of change it through circumstances it was always very logical but interestingly I was talking to someone the other day and they were saying about who you know what feedback have you had that's really sown a seed and I remember a chief exec once pulling me to one side after an exec board meeting going Kate you've got something that I haven't you've got emotional intelligence and I have none of it and you know how if something's natural to you you don't really recognize it and I was like oh okay yeah no I do have that and I think that was probably sowing the seed I've always cared about other people I've always been really interested in other people I'm one of those people that kind of wants everyone else to be okay and happy so I think there's that that going on to it but I'm not I don't, I'm not really a strokey, um, uh, you know, will feel woo-woo therapist. I am quite to the point um, because I do, I want to get in and I want to sort this out for people. I don't, I don't want them to come back week after week after week. I want to get in there, sort it out and set them free kind of thing, you know? So 
yeah, that, that, that kind of resonates with me. I have a program called Genius Mastermind where I help businesses kind of help them get better, you know, yeah. move, move one step forward. And, um, and everyone who goes through it jokes that, um, okay, let's put the clock on. There's 15 seconds of, you know, stroking and then yeah. right now, now back on it. Exactly. Yeah. I'm exactly the same. Like we can sit there forever and we can say, Oh, that's really awful. These things that you're going through, you know, how awful, or we can just get you to the point where you feel better which which do you want <laughs> and yeah, exactly and that's that was the difference because my daughter she'd been gone through so many talking therapies and they have their place and they work for some people I'm not knocking any type of therapy but she was like yeah I've got someone to talk to but they're not solving anything and that's that's the difference between RTT and a talking therapy is that a talking therapy will assume guess talk whereas this is about getting to the heart of the problem where does this really come from and let's sort it out. So, so what does RTT stand for? Rapid Transformational Therapy. And it, it is, it's all about going to the root cause. And that's the beauty of dealing with hypnosis. Because in hypnosis, you're, you're not asleep. You're, you're very much aware. It, it's like a, a relaxed focus. So you'll feel very relaxed, but you're very focused on whatever you're dealing with. And the rest just kind of goes away. And your subconscious stores everything. We don't need to guess or, you know, think, oh, it's probably down to that. I go in no prejudgment whatsoever because I'll find out what it is and the client will find out what it is and they'll get that aha moment. That's why I do that or that's why I think that. Because once you understand, that's when you can start to fix things. You can't really fix something you don't understand. So that's the one fantastic benefit and the other is it puts you in a really good receptive state for good suggestion positive suggestion so you've got you know both sides of it and I think that's why it's so effective yeah it's amazing so how how is your daughter now for start but also what what was the period of time between that having that um, impact on your daughter and you then transitioning to do it for other people so She's doing incredibly well. She is now entering her third year of university and we never thought she'd get to university. She always was very clear that's where she was going, but was certainly not in a place that she could have managed that, you know, several years ago. So I'm incredibly proud of her. And it actually wasn't a big transition because at the time she had that therapy, I'd taken a step back to look after my parents, sadly, both through end of life care. And so I was looking for something new anyway. And I was applying to some charities and, you know, bits and pieces. And so it was it was just the right time, you know. That's amazing. So what's the plan for your business? How do you see it going over time? So just growing and growing. Uh, it's one of those things that I'm, I, I believe in this so much. I just want more people to benefit from it. And I want to empower parents to know that they can have a big part in the recovery process. Because what used to happen was, is when we were going to CAMS, I'd drag her there. We'd always be late because she never wanted to go. She'd disappear into a room. She'd come out. And all they talked to me about was the next appointment. And I'm like, well, well 
what what about me? Like I, I'm her primary caregiver for the next seven days and I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. You know, you're not telling me how to help her. So um, I, I really want parents to recognise they don't just have to hand their child over to somebody. They, they can understand a lot. So I want to really get that message out there and just, you know, I haven't, I haven't put like the million figure on it or how many people I want to, but I just, I really want to get this message out that there are alternatives that parents can be empowered to help. And there's, there's hope out there. You know, these poor kids, I mean, the CAMs at the minute, they're talking two, three year waiting lists in some parts of the country. We had to wait 18 months and you don't know how you're going to get through the next 18 days, let alone 18 months. I mean, it's just not a service. If you have to wait that long when you're desperate and you have to be desperate to even be referred these days, um, it's just not a, a service fit for purpose. No, not at all. When my daughter was 12, she had um, suicidal thoughts and mm. we were incredibly lucky. We got into cams very, very quickly and very, very quickly. We were told that she wasn't ill enough for any yeah. um, help and that, I mean, I understand it. Mm. I do. I'm very lucky to be one of those parents that does understand it. But I also am terrified by the fact that a child who has suicidal thoughts isn't sick enough for help. Yeah. Uh, The criteria now is incredibly sad. It's basically actively thinking or attempted suicide and or self-harm. Yeah, or harming others. And if we get to them quickly, so the whole point of this is that the earlier the intervention is, the more effective it is. And let's just fix them so they can enjoy their life. I felt like my daughter had her childhood taken away from her. You know, she just didn't get the chance to enjoy it. Uh, I completely and utterly agree. I think had I not had the resources to be able to pay for her to to have help, then she would have been a statistic. Mm. And there's that just is absolutely terrifying and I'm completely with you I think if there was more money to get to children Mm. earlier before they get anywhere down that road and you know not that I kind of knew that she was quite as you know ill as she was but I think if there if there had have been a way that we could have got her help straight away rather than waiting for any of those Mm -hmm. appointments that would have been much much safer for everybody because by then it's not just you know the child it's the two parents and the sister and the grandparents and Mm. the aunties and uncles so everyone's affected by it then and it's just you know her dad has um bad mental health as bad that's not the right word but he struggles with his mental health and Mm. so that then impacted on him which then impacted on resources and it's just it was a you know cyclical event going through that for me just didn't need to be that way and in fact I guess if my my ultimate aim would be to go into every school or to get a program into every school where kids learn that they're their thoughts, they don't come from somewhere else. We feel that these, these thoughts invade us, but you've created those thoughts and then you can change those thoughts. And once they realize that, which, which you know, something useful like that, no one teaches, it, they, they, it just changes everything. You know, that they have the power to change the way they think is a fundamental life skill. 
I don't think some adults know that though. Oh, most I adults have. don't. But that's why so, I, like, I want to go into schools because if you learn at that age, oh yeah, you're set up, aren't you? Oh, absolutely. I have conversations with people all the time, you know, in business, but it's irrelevant whether or not they're a business person or not mm. about how happiness is within you and oh, everything yeah. is everything is a choice. And they are, you know, some people are, oh, thank God you said that, you know, that's freed me to kind of listen to myself. Mm. And other people are so confrontational about it because they believe that, you know, somebody else's opinion of them is the reason that they're upset. And so, but, you know, somebody else's actions is the reason that they're struggling in business and all of those things. And when I, you know, try to make them realize that there's a cause and effect in everything and everything's on you, it, you know, kind of hurts their ego, or hurts their soul. And it's mm. just, it, I, for me, when I realized that everything was, I mean, this is a very dramatic way to say, it, but when everything was my fault, that freed me. I didn't mm. have to look for anyone else anymore. I was in control of whether or not something succeeded or failed, whether or not I was happy or sad. And that was like the most important thing that I'd ever learned in my life. Yeah. In fact, I'm very, I'm very hot on fault and responsibility. Like it's not your fault that a lot of tough things have happened to you, especially in your childhood, because that's normally where the damage is done. And it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even have to be something traumatic. I'm sure your daughter, my daughter, you know, the, it was the belief they attached to something. It doesn't actually matter what the event is, but it's not your fault that all these things happen, but it is your responsibility to do something about it. Yeah. And even if it is your fault, it doesn't mean that things can't be rectified exactly. or, or discussed or changed or mm. improved over time. And I think when people say something bad's happened to me and that's my life over then you are right if you say that that's yeah. something bad's happened to me and I'm going to have the best life ever you're also right so mm. you know whatever you decide to do with your life then that's exactly what's going to happen and you know ultimately if we could teach children that very very early on then that would be amazing but for me uh, what I found is that I can have those conversations with my children and I can you know really get them to believe that but when they are surrounded by other people mainly mm. children who are not given that information mm. then it doesn't sink in the same way so I am 100% with you if we could mm. empower children to know all of this really really early on I think mm. it would make a huge difference yeah. to their yeah. mental health yeah absolutely and look at look what's happening we have such a crisis on our hands that there has to be a different approach and it has okay. to be early. It has to be ideally before they have the problem, not three years after they've had the problem. Yeah, completely. Um, so how would you implement that? What would be your way of changing the system? Well, in fact, you know, it's when I do work with kids, it, it, they're so receptive normally. And if you can, if you can get them in a group and you, it's, it's about understanding how the mind works. And once you explain how the mind works, they get it. They absolutely get it. And, you know, you can go through a circle of, okay, so here's your thought. If you had this thought, how would that make you feel? And if you felt like that, what are you likely to do? And how is that going to make you feel? And all of that's going to feed into that belief. But if we change this belief, how would that make you feel? And how would that make you behave? And it's just this 
this circle. And if you really break it down, because yes, the, the mind's very complex, but you can break it down into really easy chunks. And they go, oh, okay, yeah. You know, and when you start saying, look, your mind's job isn't to make you happy. Your mind's job is to keep you alive. And it doesn't actually, it doesn't care what you tell it is true or false, good or bad. It'll just listen to everything you say. So even if you don't believe it, say you're great, you know, say you're you're fabulous at all these things. And, you know, you're lying to yourself already with the negative thoughts, lie with good thoughts. And they do understand it. It is really eye-opening for them it just transforms the way they feel about themselves yeah I and I talk a lot about um especially to my husband he he uh, was he uses negative language very very freely yeah it's been you know his his way that he's spoken um naturally Mm. uh, forever you know Mm. his whole life so when I talk to him about um language is important and if you use positive words rather than negative words then that's what your brain hears and the more that you do that the more you'll get used to that speech pattern and it will change Mm. the way you think about Mm. yourself and and other people and the things that you do and life and I don't think people realize how important language is or the fact that you are correct the brain doesn't care whether or not you're telling the truth or lying Mm. all it cares about is what it hears yeah and if it and and this is the same as the conversation that you know us in business have all the time you're the same as the five people you surround yourself with and that's not about their wealth or their clothes mm. or their cars or anything like that it's about the way they speak and the way exactly. that they 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 treat themselves and mm. you soak all that up or your brain soaks all of mm. that up and that's why you should surround yourself with you know the five best people to propel your life and mm. i think that is that reason because your brain hears what it hears and it exactly and it, it protects you from all of those things like you said yeah so what would be your tips for people to start that journey themselves like how can people reprogram their thought process on negative things because I don't think I don't know anyone who's got to my age that doesn't have some level of childhood trauma so how would yeah. you say that people start that process I mean, obviously, when I when I work with people, it's a deep dive and we find out what that's all about and we find out why you you have that low self-esteem about yourself. But the, the really simple things to do are literally every morning you look in the mirror and you come up with five positive endings to I am. And you start easy. It could be I'm a good sister. I'm a good mother. I'm a good cook. You know, whatever it is. And then just ramp that up a little bit. And the thing that's really important to recognize is that our minds will always take us back to what's familiar. So your husband, for example, he's so used to that negative talk because our minds say, oh, if it's familiar, it's safe. That's why kids want the same movie, the same beacon, the same book, because, oh, if it's familiar, it's safe. And so we're driven back. So you have to actively change that you have to actively have those statements to yourself and you just keep doing it and you do it every single day and it becomes easier and it's making the unfamiliar familiar and it's the easiest way and then the next thing is to catch the thought I didn't realize how many times I called myself stupid until I started training I thought I was you know quite nice to myself 
And everything that went wrong, I was like, oh, that's stupid. Or why did you do that? Oh, that was really stupid. And so it's catching it. And if you catch it and go, oh, I'm not stupid. I'm just really busy. <laughs> um, uh, then, or human. Yeah. And it's just the awareness. Like you say, be aware of the language you're using to yourself. Be aware of the language you're using around other people. You know, your work's not killing you. You don't, you don't hate everyone around you. You know, just be aware of the language and it will make a big, big difference. Absolutely. So if anyone needs your help, where could they find you? Uh, well, basically, Kate Hoyle Hypnotherapy, pretty much everywhere. Hoyle is H-O-Y-L-E. My maiden name was Duncan, you know, married someone with a, a, a surname you can't spell. But yeah, Kate Hoyle Hypnotherapy, that's my website. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram. I think you're talking to the lovely Colette Stevenson and uh, everyone can go check out my beautiful new poster grid on Instagram. Oh, do you? How yes, lovely. I'm very, I'm very chuffed with myself that I managed to, to start that off. So that's, that's a new venture. So yeah, be interesting to, to hear what people think of that. Oh, that's love. I love Colette. And oh, she's, a, she's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Beautiful human being. Yes, she is. But yeah, people can, there's a contact for me on my website or just DM me. I like chatting awesome. to people. Do you do your services online? Yeah, I do. I mean, I always have because I've worked, you know, with international clients, uh, but obviously COVID meant everyone became very comfortable with that. And I used to say, oh, there's no difference between doing it online or in person because the results are the same. But I now say I think there's a benefit to doing it online because people are in their own environment, they're relaxed, they don't have to try and find somewhere, they can chill out as soon as they're finished. So I I think there's an advantage. But equally, you know, I'll see someone face-to-face if they prefer that. I love that completely. So we're coming to the end of the podcast and I end all of the podcasts with the eight mile moment. So I don't give a shit what anyone thinks about me. I'm very honest about that. And I love Eminem and he does all of his rap battles by saying the worst things about him. He's skinny, he's white, his mum lives in a trailer. So what are the worst things about you? Um, well, I guess eight mile style. I, I definitely have SOS, shiny object syndrome. I mean, I just... Oh. Um, yeah, I get distracted very easily by something new. Um, I've got one boob and I drink too much <laughs> wine. There you go. I love that. I have one boob and I drink too much wine. But if it makes you feel better, I have I drink too much wine as well and I have no belly buttons. So there you go. <laughs> we can we can be the freak show that we are. Thank we just need everybody. to turn that into a rap now. <laughs> I love saying that to people and people put it all over um, Facebook. Like, tell me something strange about yourself. I'm like, I've got no belly button. Everyone's like, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) How? Anyway, but thank you so much, Kate, for being on the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been lovely. Anytime at all. And if anyone else wants to be on the podcast, you can contact us at podcast at find-surveyors.co.uk. Bye, everybody.